Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'm Terry Carroll, and I'm glad you're listening today. Since next Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, I wanted to bring you some amazing true stories that I have read in the past several years. So have a pen and paper handy in case you want to jot down anything. The book I will be sharing stories from is The One-Year Christian History by Michael and Sharon Rustin. This book has highlighted an event associated with each day of the year. It is quite a remarkable book that I have enjoyed reading over and over for several years. The events go back as far as 763 B.C. and are as current as 2000 A.D. Some of the events you would be familiar with, Christopher Columbus discovers America in 1492, the beheading of Anne Boleyn, King Henry VIII's second wife, the execution of witches in Salem, Massachusetts, Eric Little is the first Scot to win Olympic gold in track, Velma Barfield confesses to poisoning her husband, and on and on. 365 events, an amazing journey through Christian history. So let's look at a few of them today. On January the 26th, in that one, King Charles II of England was trying to snuff out Scotland's Presbyterian Church. Two Presbyterian women were condemned to death by hanging. I want to read you what Marion Harvey and then Isabel Allison wrote the night before they were hanged. And these are the words of Marion. I desire to bless the Lord for my lot. It was but little I knew of him before I came to prison. But now he has said to me, because he lives, I shall live also. Kind has he been to me since he brought me out to witness for him. I have never sought anything from him, but that was for his glory since I came to prison. But he granted me my desire. I have found him in everything that hath come my way, ordering it to himself for his own glory. And how I bless him that thoughts of death are not terrible to me. He hath made me as willing to lay down my life for him as ever I was willing to live in this world. And then in her separate cell, Isabel wrote, I lay down my life for owning and adhering to Jesus Christ. But what shall I say to the commendation of Christ and his cross? I bless the Lord, praise to his holy name, that hath made my prison a palace to me. Oh, how great is his love to me, that he hath brought me forth to testify against the abominations of the times, and kept me from fainting hitherto, and hath made me rejoice in him. Now I bless the Lord that ever he gave me a life to lay down for him. Isabel, Allison, and Marion Harvey laid down their lives together on the grass market scaffold on January the 26th, 1681. As Isabel went up the ladder, she said, O ye his enemies, what will you do? Whither will ye fly in that day? For now there is a dreadful day coming on all the enemies of Jesus Christ. Marion Harvey's words on the scaffold were, I am come here today for avowing Christ to be head of his church and king in Zion. Oh, seek him, sirs, seek him, and ye shall find him. I sought him and found him. I held him and would not let him go. From February the 5th of 1555, I want to read you a portion of the legacy that Dr. Roland Taylor wrote just before he was burned at the stake. This is what he wrote. I say to my wife and to my children, The Lord gave you unto me, and the Lord hath taken me from you, and you from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that they are blessed which die in the Lord. God careth for sparrows and for the hairs of our heads. 
I have ever found him more faithful and favorable than is any father or husband. Trust ye therefore in him by the means of our dear Savior Christ merits. Believe, love, fear, and obey him. Pray to him, for he hath promised to help. Count me not dead, for I shall certainly live and never die. I go before, and you shall follow after to our long home. I have bequeathed you to the only omnipotent. I say to my dear friends and to all others which have heard me preach, that I depart hence with a quiet conscience as touching my doctrine for which I pray you. After my talents I declare to others, for I have out of God's book been blessed. The Lord grant all men his good and holy spirit, increase of his wisdom, condemning the wicked world, hearty desire to be with God and the heavenly company, through Jesus Christ, our only mediator, advocate, righteousness, life, sanctification, and hope. Amen, amen. Pray, pray. Roland Taylor, departing hence in sure hope, without all doubting of eternal salvation. I thank God, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, my certain Savior. Amen. And then, George Mueller was the founder and director of orphanages during the 1800s in Britain. Many of you have heard of him. I want to read you what he wrote when his wife died of rheumatic fever on February the 6th, 1870. He wrote this, 39 years and four months ago, the Lord gave me my most valuable, lovely, and holy wife. Her value to me and the blessing God made her to me is beyond description. This blessing was continued to me till this day, when this afternoon, about four o'clock, the Lord took her to himself. Then on February the 11th, he wrote, Today the earthly remains of my precious wife were laid in the grave. Many thousands of persons showed the deepest sympathy. About 1,400 of the orphans who were able to walk followed in the procession. I myself, sustained by the Lord to the utmost, performed the service at the chapel in the cemetery. He chose Psalm 119.68 as the text of the funeral sermon. You were good and do good. His message had three points. Number one, the Lord was good and did good in giving her to me. Number two, the Lord was good and did good in so long leaving her to me. And number three, the Lord was good and did good in taking her from me. In discussing his third point, he told how he had prayed for her during her illness. Yes, my father, the times of my darling wife are in thy hands. Thou wilt do the very best for her and for me, whether life or death. If it may be, raise up yet again, my precious wife. Thou art able to do it, though she is so ill. But howsoever thou dealest with me, only help me to continue to be perfectly satisfied with thy holy will. Mueller felt that God had answered his prayer, both in how he dealt with Mary and how he dealt with his own heart. Every day I see more and more how great is her loss to the orphans. Yet, without an effort, my inmost soul habitually joys in the joy of that loved departed one. Her happiness gives joy to me. My dear daughter and I would not have her back were it possible to produce it by the turn of the hand. God himself has done it. We are satisfied with him. As a husband, I feel more and more every day that I am without this pleasant, useful, loving companion. As a director of the orphan houses, I miss her in numberless ways and shall miss her yet more and more. But as a child of God and as the servant of the Lord Jesus, I bow. I am satisfied with the will of my Heavenly Father. I seek by perfect submission to His holy will to glorify Him. I kiss continually the hand that has thus afflicted me, but I also say I shall meet her again to spend a happy eternity with her. 
David Martin Lloyd-Jones finished his career as minister at Westminster Chapel in London, England. On the Thursday before he died, February 26, 1981, he wrote a note to his wife and children, Do not pray for healing. Do not hold me back from glory. His His request was honored, and he died that Sunday. John Dick was one of the Coventers involved in the bitter struggle against the Church of England. On the night before he was hanged, March 5, 1684, he wrote his father a letter which I will read you a portion of. The Lord firmly laid the foundation stone of grace in my heart by making me with my whole soul close with him upon his own terms. I give myself entirely without reserve in soul, body, heart, affection, and the whole faculties of my soul and powers of my body to be by him disposed at his pleasure for the advancement of his glory. Your affectionate son and Christ prisoner, John Dick. P.S. I hope ere I go home to get another sight of you. Let none see this till I be in my grave. The Lord gave me to you freely, so I entreat you be frank in giving me to him again. On the appointed day, as the crowds looked on and the drums rolled, John Dick proclaimed this from the scaffold. I am come here this day and would not change my lot with the greatest in the world. I lay down my life willingly and cheerfully for Christ and his cause and I heartily forgive all mine enemies. I forgive all them who gave me my sentence, and them who were the chief cause of my taking. And I forgive him who is behind me, the executioner. I advise you who are the Lord's people to be sincere in the way of godliness, and you who know little or nothing of the power thereof to come to him and trust God. He will not disappoint you. I say trust in the Lord, and he will support or strengthen you in whatever trouble or affliction you may meet with. I remember when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, and Isaac said, Here is the wood and the fire, but where is the sacrifice? John Dick looked up at the gallows and then out to the crowd, and he continued, Now blessed be the Lord, here is the sacrifice and free will offering. Adieu. Farewell, all friends. Just a few months after she was married, Jessie Heatherton passed away as she and her husband were going to Sydney, Australia, where he was about to start preaching. This is part of the letter from May 4, 1837, that Irvin, her husband, wrote to Jessie's mother. And in particular, you will be anxious to know what was her experience in the prospect of eternity. It was of the serenity of heaven. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like hers. Oh, it was the most perfect peace. On the surgeon apprising me on Tuesday of her extreme danger, I thought it right to communicate this to her. She was quite collected at the time and was looking at me in the affectionate manner that was so usual to her and which will, I think, never cease to haunt my dreams. I said to her that Dr. Thompson did not give us reason to expect her recovery. It is the Lord's will and we must submit, Irvin, she quietly answered. And have you no fear then of death, Jessie? No, dear. And how is it that you are not afraid to die? I have long taken Christ for my portion and set my hopes on him. I could but weep. Afterwards, I asked her what word of God it was that gave her the most comfort. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, she replied with much eagerness. And after I had made some remarks on this, she bade me repeat some of those scriptures in which salvation by grace is offered to sinners. This I continued to do when I thought she was in a state of consciousness, and prayed with her day and night. Her spirit ascended as I was commending her to the God of grace. 
As assured do I feel of her blessedness, yea, as confident that she is now with God, for whom she gave up so much, as I could be were an angel to bring me tidings of her mingling with the choir above. To her, death was indeed unspeakable gain, but what a loss have I sustained. Being involved in politics was dangerous business in the 1600s. Archibald Campbell was on the losing side and sentenced to be executed on May the 27th, 1661. On that day, he rose early to write letters and see friends. This is what he wrote to his daughter-in-law. What shall I say in this great day of the Lord, where in the midst of a cloud I have found a fair sunshine? I can wish no more for you, but that the Lord may comfort you and shine upon you as he does upon me, and give you that same sense of his love in staying in the world as I have in going out of it. He wrote King Charles II, adding the prayer, Your majesty and your successors may always sway the scepter of these nations, and that they may be a blessed people under your government. When the two o'clock execution neared, he walked to the scaffold a model of decorum. The ministers prayed, and he spoke his parting words, I bless the Lord. I pardon all men as I desire to be pardoned myself. James Guthrie was a man who knew not only what he was living for, but also what he was willing to die for. He was a strong supporter of the Church of Scotland. At his trial, he declared, It is not the extinguishing of me or many others that will extinguish the covenant or the work of the Reformation. My blood will contribute more for the propagation of these things than my life and liberty would do though I should live many years. Guthrie was sentenced to be hanged, his head to be stuck on a pike, and his estate to be confiscated. In prison, he told his wife that he considered himself fortunate to be hanged on a tree as his Savior was. Before his hanging on June the 1st, 1661, he said to the hushed crowd, I take God to record upon my soul. I would not exchange this scaffold with the palace and gold of the greatest prelate in Britain. Blessed be God who has shown mercy to me, such a wretch, and has revealed his Son in me. Jesus Christ is my life and my light, my righteousness, my strength, and my salvation, and all my desire. Him, O Him, I do with all the strength of my soul commend to you. Bless Him, O my soul, from henceforth even forever. Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And with those words, he was with his Savior. His head was placed on a pike high above the Netherbrow port of Edinburgh, where it remained for 27 years. Hudson Taylor's wife, Maria, was dying on the morning of July 23, 1870. He said this to her, You are going home. You will soon be with Jesus. I am so sorry, she replied. You are not sorry to be with Jesus. Oh, no, she exclaimed, looking right into Hudson's eyes. That is not it. You know, darling, that for ten years past, there has not been a cloud between me and my Savior. I cannot be sorry to go to him, but it does grieve me to leave you alone at such a time. Yet, he will be with you and meet all your needs. She kissed him many times in tender parting. Just before she died, Hudson knelt beside her and prayed, committing her to the Lord and thanking God for the twelve and a half years of happiness they had shared. He thanked God for taking her to his presence and solemnly rededicated his life to his service. Maria was just 33. Jonathan Burr did not conform to the Church of England, so he and his family went to New England to obtain religious freedom. They settled in Dorchester, Massachusetts. One Sunday, after preaching a sermon on redeeming the time, he was suddenly taken very ill. As his wife cared for him tenderly over the next week, 
he slipped closer and closer to death. Finally, realizing that only death would offer relief from his pain, his grieving wife asked him whether he wished to leave her and the children. He quickly replied, Do not mistake me. I am not desirous of that. But I bless God that now my will is the Lord's will. If he will have me yet to live with my dear wife and children, I am willing. It is better for you that I abide with you, but it is better for me to be dissolved and to be with Christ. Our parting is but for a time. His last words to his wife were, Cast thy care upon God, for he careth for thee. Hold fast, hold fast. Jonathan Byrd died August 9, 1641, at the age of 37. Bill Bentley and Mariana Slocum were Bible translators when they first met. He had proposed to her, and they had gone to her house where they were going to get married the following week, and they had gone sightseeing in New York and Philadelphia, and the wedding was just uh, exactly a week away. And the next morning at the Slocum home, Bill was late for breakfast, and Mariana's father went up to call him, but came back alone. Bill had died during the night of an undetected congenital heart condition. He was just 27. The verse that sustained Mariana was Psalm 16:11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And then the last story I'm going to share is about Martin Luther. Martin Luther and his wife had six children. In 1542, his 13-year-old daughter became deathly ill. And I want to read you his words. This is uh, really incredible. This was Luther's prayer. Oh God, I love her dearly, but thy will be done. Then he asked her, Magdalena, my little girl, would you like to stay with your father here? And would you just as gladly go to your father in heaven? She answered, yes, dearest father, as God wills. It grieved Luther that in spite of all the blessings he had received from God, he found himself unable in this situation to give thanks. On September 20th, 1542, As Magdalena's death drew near, Luther knelt at her bedside, praying through his tears that God would receive his little one. Katie, his wife, stood at the end of the room, unable to watch as Magdalena died in her father's arms. Turning to his grieving wife, Luther said with compassion, Dearest Kate, let us think of the home our daughter has gone to. There she is happy and at peace. As Magdalena was laid in her coffin, Luther remarked, My darling, you will rise and shine like the stars and the sun. Then he said to Katie, How strange to know that she is at peace and all is well, and yet to be sorrowful. To his friends who came to mourn with him, he said, Let us not be sad. I have sent a saint to heaven. If mine could be like hers, I would gladly welcome death at this very hour. Three days after her death, Luther wrote a letter to his friend, Justice Jonas. I expect you have heard that my beloved Magdalena has been born again into Christ's everlasting kingdom. Although my wife and I ought to rejoice because of her happy end, yet such is the strength of natural affection that we cannot think of it without sobs and groans which tear the heart apart. The memory of her face, her words, her expression in life and in death, everything about our most obedient and loving daughter lingers in our hearts so that even the death of Christ, and what are all deaths compared to his, is almost powerless to lift our minds above our loss. So would you give thanks to God in our stead? For hasn't he honored us greatly in glorifying our child? That was just amazing that he knew he should give thanks, but he just couldn't even do it. So anyway, now as I have recounted a few of these 365 true stories from the one-year Christian history by Michael and Sharon Rustin, 
I'm sure you have been amazed and inspired as I am every time I read and reread these incredible stories of faith-filled Christians. These men and women lived and died knowing that their hope was not in this world, but in Jesus Christ and in his eternal kingdom. Many of you listening have lost a loved one in the past few months, and some of you have lost someone even in the last few days. In the reflection on Martin Luther's story, the Rustins add, The death of a loved one brings sorrow to everyone. It is important not to deny these feelings. Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. God intends that we mourn. From 1 Thessalonians 4.13 And now, dear brothers, I want you to know what happens to a Christian when he dies, so that when it happens you will not be full of sorrow, as those who have no hope. Other verses I feel that are worth mentioning today. Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. The righteous pass away. The godly often die before their time, and no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come, for the godly who die will rest in peace. And from Jeremiah thirty-one thirteen, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. From Revelation 21, 4. He will remove all their sorrows, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. From Romans 8, 28, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. And finally, I leave you with this verse from 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come in to our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 